and we're going to start reading from verse 10. So that's Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It's a portion of scripture I'm sure you all know very well. You just turn me down just a slight bit, please. Thank you. I've entitled this message this morning, It's Time to Pick Up Your Shield. And I think we all know what that is, the shield of faith. So we'll just, <clears throat> we'll just read a few portions of scripture from the Lord's word. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. And it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now let your eye run down to verse 16, please. And it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Jesus. Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, I, I come, Lord, humbly before you this morning. Lord, and I just pray that your spirit would just have its way. In every single word, Lord. Lord, that your spirit would just move and it would touch because, Lord, I am but a man. But, Lord Jesus, we know each and every one of us that are in Christ, we can do all things because of you that dwells within us. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, guide me through your scriptures. Lead me in what to say, Lord. Lord, that the words of life may fall from these clay lips and touch your people this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You'll notice Paul has written this letter to the Ethesian church. I suppose in some ways it was a young church. And he was trying to get across to them the importance of of just being in the faith of the Lord. Now, you'll know something. He's talking to believers. So, obviously, the faith that he's talking about is not a saving faith. But he's talking about a building of that faith from their salvation. So, he's building. He's trying to get them to build on what they have already. And you'll notice even... As we go along, Paul is constantly trying to build these people up. He's constantly trying to get them to grow in the Lord. So they can get to grow in the Lord, so they can walk in what the Lord has for them. And you'll find that, that Paul does that all the time in his letters. He's trying to encourage a growth in Christians, in those that are are newly saved. But you'll notice something he talks about, the shield of faith. And there's something you'll always notice, it says it quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked, not just some. So that shows you how important 
faith is. That just shows you. But if we were just to break down quickly the, the few verses from verse 10 to 13, you will see Paul directs us when he says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. So he talks in his strength. He's talking, be strong in his strength, not in your own. And then 11 to 12, he sort of gives us the tactics or, or what we're going to come up against. And then in verse 13, he tells us what to do to be able to stand in that day. And the wicked one will come. But we find more today than ever. What does the church operate in? To be honest with you, if it's not faith, then it's fear. Because that's the opposite of faith. And more than ever, I think, it comes down to when you hear people say, well, and I understand this. But I hear so many times people say, well, I couldn't do that. I can't do this. You know, I, I, I can't witness to people or I can't pray. And I understand where they're coming from. But that's fear, brother. That's fear, sister. Because we have everything we need. We have the Lord of glory. And if you would just turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And Timothy outlines this for us. Second <clears throat> Timothy verse one, uh, chapter one and verse seven. Sorry. <clears throat> and it says this: For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. You see, that word fear in the Greek is dialia. And it means a fearfulness, but it means to come under a bondage. That's what it means. It means to come under a bondage. But we have freedom. Because that's what Christ came to give us. And then this word power is a dunamis power. It's It's dunamis in the Greek, but it's an explosive power. So this is the power of a government or commands which must be submitted by others and obeyed. The ability and the strength with which one is endued or possesses. This is what this means. And then when we look at sound mind, a sound mind means the idea of control. In the Greek, I'm going to try and pronounce the word, it's sophonismus. But it gives the idea of a control or a clear understanding and a sound judgment. So when we look at this, we have, as Timothy says in chapter 1 of verse 7, we have the complete ability to think, to speak and to act in accordance to the word of God. There's no hindrance when we come to Christ. So we have all the ingredients we need to walk in what the Lord has for us, to act in that way. But you see, the thing is, the greatest gift that was ever given to the world was salvation. But we forget the greatest gift that was ever given to the church was the Holy Spirit. 
And you see, a lot of times, the Lord has given us so much, and yet we embrace so little. And that is one of the biggest problems we have in the church today. We don't embrace what the Lord has given us. So if we were to lay a bit of a foundation, if you like, for faith, we may say, what is faith? On the Hebrews 11 and 1, it tells us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If we were to have a definition of faith, faith would simply mean trust. That's it. When we say we have faith, that says we trust in God. That's what we say. So faith is, is, is the very key to our walk with God. And then if you go to verse 6, in that same chapter of Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, it's our faith that sets us apart from the world. And when you look throughout the Bible, you'll see some of the greatest promises that was ever given to men and to women was by they exercised their faith or their trust in their God. You look at Abraham, you can look at Job. They trusted in God. But faith is probably one of the hardest things to obtain. And I'm just being honest. It's not a magical substance. Faith simply comes through experience. It comes from hardship. It comes from a life lived before the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we ever want to develop our faith, what must we do? Well, the first thing we must do, and Paul actually tells us this in Ephesians 6 and 10, the first thing we must do is to start to die to ourselves and rely on his strength. It's the first thing we do. So when we look back at Ephesians 6 and 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. To be, in, to be strong in the Greek is endonimo. And it means to be strong, to be endued with strength, to be bold. But listen to this. To be in union with the Lord. And then when you go along in the verse, there's a word power there. And this word is a, a word in the Greek called kraktos. And this means a mighty deed or a work of power. And then when you go longer, a, bit, a bit more longer in, the, in, the, in this verse, you come to the word might. And this is excusus, to extend one's ability or the ability to extend influence. So if we were to get a summary of this verse that Paul gives us in Ephesians 6 and 10, it would go something like this in the Greek. This is how it would maybe flow. To be endued with strength by the union of us with the Lord. Because of his mighty work, we now have the ability to extend his influence. Mm -hmm. 
That's exactly what we have. That's exactly what we do to rely on him. We have to rely on him. So if you go to Galatians 2 and 20. Galatians chapter 2 and 20. I know this is probably more like a Bible study this morning. But I want you to see this. And it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul gives us a perfect illustration of his life and him dying to himself. And now it's Christ who lives in him. We have to remember on that Damascus road, there was this man called Saul, the Pharisee, who was zealous for for arresting the Christians at that time. But then he came to meet the Lord. And this man was literally thrust down into the dirt before the Lord of glory. And in that moment, he was no longer Saul, he died but he became the Apostle Paul. And this is exactly what Paul is trying to get across. Paul then decided that he was going to trust in the Lord. Paul, even if you have a look on that Damascus Road experience, it says he went away. He got out of the way for a good while. And I tell you what he did, he got alone with the Lord. He got alone with the Scriptures. He said, right Lord, show me. And in that moment, Paul was building on what the Lord had done on him in Damascus, on that Damascus road. We see this very principle, the first, almost one of the first things when we come into the, to the New Testament with John the Baptist. John the Baptist actually says in John 3 and 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. John's saying exactly the same thing. I've got to die he's got to rise up in me. Another benefit to dying to self is that, let's be honest with you, if if the whole world at that time couldn't get on with the holiest man that ever walked the earth, if we're walking with the Lord, how's it got to get on with us? It's not. The thing is, When we die to self, we no longer react to what people say anymore, to what people do anymore. And it just becomes far easier to walk with the Lord. We have to get to that place where the Lord's our source. We have to get to that place where we understand that he died on the cross And that if heaven gave its very best, how much more has he got to look after us if that's the price that it took to pay our debt? Mm -hmm. You see, because when when we get it in our minds that we no longer have to rely on the world anymore, that's when true freedom starts to come into a Christian's life. And we know it's Christ that we rely on and Christ alone. 
And even the psalmist says in <clears throat> Psalm 35 and 20, verse 25, he says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, neither his seed begging for bread. The Lord will always provide for his people. He will always provide for his work. Just remember that. And another verse here is 1 John 4 and 18. And this is beautiful. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear have torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. And this is exactly what Paul is speaking about. When you know the love of God, when you know the love of your saviour, you do not fear anything. Even as, as the pastor said this morning, you don't even fear death. Because you know where you're going. You know who your saviour is. You know who your provider is. You know who your healer is. He is everything to us. There's no fear in that. So the question is, how do we die? How do we decrease? How do we build faith? It's quite funny, actually. I heard a preacher one, one time once say, he says, you see... Dying's not the problem, it's the staying dead. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but in Romans 12 and 2, it says this. <clears throat> and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Listen to this. By the renewing of your mind. That's key. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see... The fundamental thing to walking in faith is our mind. Because that's where we make our conscious decisions of what we're going to do, how we're going to act. You see, so it's our mind. It's the condition of the mind. And the renewing of the mind is basically just changing the way that we think. It's bringing our line of thought in line with the word of God. In Romans 10 and 17, it tells us, how to build our faith, because it says, so then faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So then we know that it's essential to build faith, it's essential to read, it's essential to understand the word of God. But I'll tell you something, something's been getting in the way of that with the church these past few years. And it's been increasing and increasing, and I'll tell you something, there's a real hidden agenda in it. And that's the TV and the internet. Because we don't realise it. But you see that telly, you see that internet, it is spewing out fear. And that's what it does. Because you see, whenever you, you, you look at it, the, the, you know, you have these programmes or, or even these soaps and that. And, and the, you know, they make things a bit funny and everything. But you have a look. There's also a lifestyle in all of that. Especially with this LGBT community and everything else. There's all this lifestyle threat and people say, oh, you know, it's just a laugh, isn't it? No, there's an agenda there. And it's to make you accept that which is not acceptable unto God. That's what it is. Even when the internet, even when the news, I mean, we hear it even now and... I know we keep mentioning it, but even with the bread exit and all that, all the lies that have been spoken, and they're meant to be telling us the news. 
It's no longer news. It's an opinion. But it breeds fear. And that's what they're doing. And this is why the church as a whole now operates in fear and not in faith. The magnitude of what they used to move in and the Holy Spirit and the power of God has now diminished because of this fear that has been constantly put out there. You have a look before there was any tallies and everything else. You have a look how the church used to move. Boy, they had faith. You could see the way they used to preach. I mean, even like the likes of, there was a, an old Baptist preacher called Mordecai Ham in the Prohibition area. Um, he used to preach against all the breweries and all that and he used to stand outside and he would preach and there would people throw stuff at him and they would do all sorts to him. Boy, that man would stand there and preach and eventually all them drunkards that were in there standing, standing with him were asking him how to get saved. See, that was the kind of men that they had. That was the kind of men, that was the kind of faith we used to stand on. But you'll notice, whenever there's a fear put out or spoken to us, this builds something called strongholds in our mind. We don't realise it, but that's what it does. And, And strongholds are the thoughts that we dwell on. We always have a weakness There's something somewhere that that, that we would dwell on that would push our buttons, so to speak. And you see, whenever we see something or whenever we hear something that lines up with that, it just keeps on growing. It develops a stronghold. So what do we do? We have to turn to the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Paul outlines this for us here <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and verse 5 <clears throat> Hang on a minute. Let me have a look. Yes, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, verse 5, and it says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So the Greek word for weapons here is hopolon, and it means a tool or a weapon or an instrument, but it's funny actually because it's actually a singular. It's not a plural there, it's a singular funny enough. I was, I was looking at this and really getting into the Greek of this. And I noticed something, there's only one offensive weapon in the armour, and that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we get in verse 5, it says, the casting down of imaginations in the Greek is kathero, and this means a reasonings or assumptions. So it's what we assume without knowing actually what is actually right when we make an assumption. And this is usually where the biggest fear comes in 
to us is when we assume something's got to be like this or we assume something, how bad something is got to be. But usually, like, we, we, we build up a fear in our minds of something, but it's usually never that bad when we actually go to do it. It's like I have a real fear of hoovering. <laughs> it's never that bad when I actually do it, you know. <laughs> no, the way... But notice our weapons are from God for bringing down these strongholds, for tearing down these reasonings that we have built. And this is the renewing of the mind. And this is when we can start to accept more of the word of God in our lives, is when we start to tear these down because we start reading the word. We start to tear them down. And then what we do when we get into the word, when we read it, when we study it, I'm not just on about, like, I know there's people that can read the Bible cover to cover, maybe, I don't know. 20 times, 40 times a year, something like that. I can't do that. Because you see, if I look over a chapter, if I look even over a scripture, I have to understand what it means. I can't just glide over it. Because you know what? The stuff that works for me in this word only works when I understand it. I could read 50 chapters in a day, but it wouldn't mean anything to me. I have to study it. I have to understand what it means. Because then it gets in here. And that's when I can use it. Because I know it. That's what Paul's talking about. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now what he's saying here, he says, you can look at the world and everything around it. But no, you walk by what you know is to be true, which is the word of God. It doesn't matter. Anything can come against you. Anybody can say anything to you, but you know that this is truth. And that's what we walk out in our lives. You see, <clears throat> nobody wants you to have faith. This world certainly doesn't want you to have faith. Because there's a reason for it. Because faith stands. Faith doesn't lie down. Faith isn't walked all over. But faith stands up for what they believe in. Why does it stand? Because of the love of God. And you see people, especially in churches, that talk about love. They haven't got a clue what love is when they start spewing out a wishy-washy gospel. Well, no, we can't offend people. You know what that is? That's them saying that they love people more than they do God. Because they're not willing to offend people, but they're willing to offend God. And that's never acceptable to the Lord. He's first in everything we do. And that's why nowadays, more than ever, there needs to be a stand in our faith, brother and sister. You see, even when you think of Gideon... On the Lord appeared to him, and when you're reading the scriptures, I know it says angel, but when you're, you're reading the scriptures, you see it says the Lord spoke unto him. Even when you get Gideon and he's cowering there from the Midianites, and he's in this wine press at, at, at night time, so nobody sees him because he's trying to gather a bit of food together because he's terrified of the enemies of God. And there the Lord says to him, Faith speaks unto him, Arise, almighty man of valor. You see this man, he was just carrying there. But you know what? Faith didn't see what he was doing. 
Faith saw what was in him to become. And that's what Jesus Christ sees in each and every one of you. Not where you are now, but the potential of what you can become in him when you put your faith in him. You see, faith faith also sees, even when you see Elisha, the time in, in, in 2 Kings, and his servant comes up to him and says, Elijah, have you not seen the armies that are encompassed us? Have you not seen that we're completely surrounded? And he prays on the God and says, open his eyes. Let him see. There's more for us than there is for them. And he sees the heavenly hosts of angels that are surrounded the armies. The biggest one is faith gets tested. That's with Abraham. Abraham, for everything that he did, he, he left his home. He, he walked with the Lord. But the one thing he had, his beloved son, Isaac. And God says, I want that. I want that, Abraham. Sacrifice him unto me. And you would think everything Abraham had been through, you would think that would have been enough, wouldn't you? But God tested him once, one last time. But Abraham was willing to hold nothing back from the Lord. So faith is tested. You see, if we're to answer the call of the Lord in our lives, it's got to take faith. I'm on about the true call of God in somebody's life. And I know... There's maybe people sitting here and there's a call of God in their life and fear has completely gripped them to where they think, no, I can't do it. Well, let me tell you, that's complete lies. You can do it. But you've got to step out. Whether you look at any of the spiritual gifts or anything like that, they're all operated by faith. You always have to do something. There needs to be an action. Because that's what faith does. We can't have faith without an action to it. Because it means nothing. It's dead. And you see when you get the call of God in your life. When the Lord places it there. I'm just going to be honest with you now. It's got a cost. Because that's what it does. It costs. I mean, with Abraham, it cost him everything. He had to move. He had to take everything with him and go. And to be honest with you, that's what usually happens. It usually takes your all. All them things that you treasured completely have to be put away for the high calling of God in your life. And the reason I'm saying that is because, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, this place has to be different. This ministry has to be different because I am sick and tired of a powerless religion that we have. It makes me sick. I am sick and tired of people just clocking cards. It's time to get real. It's time to get real with our faith. The Lord has has me in some desperate situations, but each time he's pulled me through. He's dusted me off and said, right, son, you can go again. And each time I have learned something through it, has it been easy? Absolutely not. 
But there's coming a time, and I mean this now, brother and sister, and we can start to see it in this country even now, that they're really trying to squeeze Christianity, and we need to stand, and we need to show others how to stand also. On the word of God, and in Jesus Christ, we can stand. We can make a difference. And even when it comes to everything, absolutely everything, we rely on the Lord, whether it's finances, whether it's healing. It doesn't matter. The Lord's there for us. That's what he wants. And I know there's a big thing about, about healing. You know, why does, not, why does the Lord not heal? Well, you know something? By his stripes we're healed and by faith we have to claim that. By faith we keep pushing on in God. Even when everybody else says, well, no, it's hopeless. No, it's finished. We have to be the one that says, God, I believe your word more than I do them people or what they're saying. Because that's what men and women of faith did. When everybody else around them was saying there was no chance, there was no hope. They were saying there's always hope because he is the blessed hope, our Lord Jesus Christ. I always remember that I think there was a saying, I hope I get this right. It says goes something like this. It says, why would you stoop to be a king when you're called to be a missionary? It's so true. If the Lord's called us, why would we stoop to be anything else but what the Lord wants us to be? Hopefully this morning, <clears throat> I hope you got something from that. But uh, that's what the Lord really laid on my heart this morning for you. And thank you for listening and God bless each and every one of you. Pastor Ken.